Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. You know, the look it was giving me. Welcome to Bigfoot Hotspot Radio, Sasquatch Chronicles. I'm your host, Wes, along with my brother, Woody, and researcher, author, and friend, William Jeffy. Let's start the show. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Bigfoot Hotspot for your first free downloadable book, and a 30-day trial. Our first guest tonight is a, uh, a good friend of mine. He's a, a combat veteran, former paratrooper in the Army, and one of the most honest people I've ever met in my life, uh, Lupe Mendoza. Hey, Lupe. Hello. It's Wes and Will. How are you? I'm oh, great. How you doing, Wes? Will? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Nice hey, to talk buddy, to you. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Well, I'm doing great, amigo. So go ahead, I guess, and, and tell us... Um, Prior to that, now it was a trip to your sons who was stationed at Fort Lewis at yes. that time, right? Yeah. So prior prior to that day or that trip, what did you know about the subject of Bigfoot? Uh, you know, as a kid, I grew up watching sci-fi. I think it was sci-fi theater, science fiction theater. Uh, I've seen The Legend of Bobby Creek and a lot of old uh, monster movies. So uh, I've seen a lot of old monster movies. I've seen The Legend of Bobby Creek. I say I remember watching the. In search of within uh, Nimoy. That's basically about it, you know. So pretty much what what a lot of people had seen and were aware of. Yeah, those, those were big things back in the seventies, you know, big movies, you know. Right, right. Um, so leading up to the the incident that you you had, now you you called your son, and we're planning a trip. So so tell us about well, that. 
Well, what happened was about, I guess it was about six months to a year earlier before we, we, I went on that trip. Uh, he had called me one morning. I, I don't remember the area that he lived at. I, I remember him telling William, but, and William knew the area, but I don't, you know. And uh, Anyway, they called me. It was, it was funny, but I just got to work. And they call me, my him, my daughter-in-law, and go, Dad, Dad, we heard Bigfoot. And I said, what? You know? Well, apparently all night long, uh, she kept hearing something screaming outside the house, you know, in the woods. And my son, I just got, uh, he was in an accident at work in the military. And uh, so he was on medication. He didn't hear nothing. He was, she couldn't wake him up or nothing like that, you know? And finally, when he did get up, get, uh, got up to go to work that morning, he went out to the car and the screaming started again. And at that time, uh, he ran, he ran back in the house. He grabbed his 45 and I locked the door. The dog, the dog, they have a, uh, said Lassen Husky. She was scared in the corner hiding there, you know. So he didn't go to work that day. He called and said he wasn't going to work. For the listeners, I was just going to mention that was Clear Lake in the Bald Hills outside of Yelm, Washington, which is near Fort Lewis. Yes. So, I thought, oh, I probably heard an elk or something like that screaming, you know, and, oh, that was big for the said, okay, whatever, you know. So I, I completely forgot about that. Then uh, August the 1st, uh, 2011, my daughter was living in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and she was coming back early that morning with a friend from uh, Tennessee, and they got in a terrible accident. You know, my daughter went from the back seat through the windshield, and, uh, you know, she suffered multiple injuries, a brain injury. And so we ended up spending that month going back and forth to Little Rock, Arkansas, which is about a 10-hour drive from my house. So finally, I uh, got her transferred from Little Rock to Houston. One day, I just kind of broke down, you know, and I said, I need to get out of here, you know. I just, it was just a lot of pressure, you know. So I called my son, and, you know, I say, hey, I'm going over there, you know, and I called him up, you know. And this was like a, on a Thursday. I think the, that Friday was the 28th. I think I called him on the 27th. And I got me a paint ticket for that Friday. And I flew down there. I said, let's go find yourself. But, you know, I'm not talking about joking, you know. Because, you know, right. I, love to go, I, love to, I love to go hiking. Uh, I love the outdoors. I love filming animals, you know. So I flew down there and, uh, you know, I got there that evening about 3 or 4 o'clock in the evening. And we went out to one of those uh, restaurants, you know, had a, it was, had a microbrewery. You know, that's a real good beer down there. And uh, so the next morning we decided to go hiking. You know, you know that's where we we're going to set it up. You know, I had I had I was going to be here the whole day that Saturday and that Sunday. I had to come back to Houston, so I'd go back to work. Short trip. And uh, so yeah, but you know I just needed a break. You know, and so we went out to Mount Rainier. We got to uh, the resort, uh, Paradise. We're hiking. You know, we started hiking. We probably got maybe uh, I think we went to the back backwards of the trail. The trail. In between the resort and I think they had like a big motel or a hotel or some little big cabin or something where people sit at, you know. And there's a right. trail between them, and uh, we went up that trail. And I think maybe 100, 200 meters into that trail, is uh, they had a bridge. I remember there was a bridge, uh, uh, a wooden bridge. And the way we were coming in, the, there was a big waterfall to the right. I mean, it was a huge waterfall. I, I couldn't, even, you couldn't even see the bottom. We walked to maybe another 100 meters after that, and the, the, the snow started falling real real hard. Up there, going up there, there was no snow until we got to the top of that paradise. And then the snow started falling real hard, and we're walking, and we see some bear tracks and stuff, you know, taking pictures and stuff, you know, and some elk. And then I'm walking, and I see a, a track, but it's weird looking, you know, so I take a photo of it, you know, and another one, and... Uh, 
and we sitting there and the snow kind of falling kind of hard and the wood line was maybe maybe 75 meters 50, 50 to 75 meters from us we could smell something real bad you know like my son, my son described it as a wet dog I, it could have been a bear or anything you know like i said it's my first time there is you know sure me not that way and uh we started coming back down you know because we couldn't see the edge of the wood line you know because the snow was coming down too hard and it was real dark inside that wood line so i tell my son you know let's go let's go ahead and go back down and now and we'll you know because i wanted i was at that time i was collecting uh i don't know what you call it, from all the state parks and national parks they got little emblems you can put uh, you can put on your walking stick Right, you know, that, right. you know, so you, you can make you hike to that part, you know. So that's what I, I I did that for a long time, you know. So I said, let's go to the to the gift shop because I, I wanted to get these, you know, and some stuff, you know, before we left, you know. And I told him after that we we'll go down down a mountain where it's you know it's warmer and a little snow, and we we'll go hiking down there. He goes, all right, Dad, you know. We went back down the trail and we got to the gift shop, and we walked through the entrance. There was uh some uh, park rangers. They were talking, you know, I didn't hear them, you know. But my son said, hey, Dad, they're talking about Bigfoot. I said, really? And uh, so I said, well, let's go to get our stuff, then we'll come back and we'll stop and talk to them. And you know, he was like, okay. So we went up there, you know, got our stuff, you know, we came back. And, uh, you know, I looked down, I said, hey, excuse me, Daniel, can I show you out some photos? He goes, yeah. So I started showing the bear tracks, you know, the photos of the bear tracks. I said, oh, that's a nice bear, oh, that's a nice bear, you know. And when I showed them the photo of that big print, they kind of looked at each other and they walked out. They didn't want to talk to us no more. Wow. You know? And total night and day behavior change. Yeah. Yeah, big time, you know. And so I just looked at my son, you know. I said, oh, well, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. But I just said, oh, well, let's get out of here. You know, let's go back down the trail. And he said, all right, Dad. So we went further down. I guess it's between, I want to say about halfway between the park entrance and, and, and Paradise, the resort, whatever it is, you know. Right. We found a trail. It's coming back down the mountain. The, the the parking was on our right side. On our left side, it was a, it was just a huge drop off. So, you know, nobody could park there. So the the it probably fit like three or four cars, you know, and it was empty. There was nobody there. And so we pulled. So let's try this one. We pulled in there, and uh, we grabbed our gear, you know, backpacks and stuff, you know. And for this trip, I wanted to buy a camera, but I never did. I, you know. And I had this new cell phone. I, it was a Droid Bionic that I, I probably had like three days, two days for this trip, you know. That's all I had on me, you know. As soon as we walked into this trail, maybe five feet in front of us, there was this huge root ball. I mean, talking about 10, 12 foot tall. And the tree, uh, I couldn't tell you what kind of tree it was because you don't know from that area, you know. But it's a huge tree, and uh, the trail went to the left. And this was like a little trail around that root ball of that tree. I said, well, let's try this one, you know. So we went around that, we went around that root ball, and as soon as we got around the root ball, there was a clearing maybe uh, 10 meters by 30 meters around there, you know, maybe 20 meters. And uh, we got to that clearing, and I looked around, and I, I saw to my right, there was another trail. And we probably walked up there about, I don't know, 25, 50 meters around there. And I realized it was just an old animal trail. It wasn't. It wasn't actually a hiking trail. Yeah, just a game. So, trail. yeah. And so I told my son, "Let's turn around. Let's go back to that actual trail that we saw. It was a hiking trail, you know, when we first came in." As we was walking down, and we got to that clearing, at that time, that that big root ball to our left, and the car's maybe twenty, thirty meters from us. I don't know what maybe stopped. I looked to my right, and it was, it was a huge uh, limb in front of me. 
and the ground went straight, and then it went straight up to a hill. So I squatted down, and I looked up that hill, and that's when I saw just something stop and turn around. I immediately say, hey, come here, you know, and my son, you know, uh, you know, my son, like, what's up, dad? You know, I said, come here, you know, and my son walked over there, and he looked, he looked at the niggas, you know, he's like, holy fuck, dad, you know, they're real, you know? Right. And, and and what we're looking at, you know, what I saw, I turned around and stopped next to that tree. It was it was just a full body, you know, probably like a maybe a hundred meters from us, you know. You could see the whole body just sitting there, you know, just standing there, you know, all the way down, maybe I guess between his knees and the, and, and the ground, and we couldn't see because of the grass. The arms by its side, the head and everything. I mean, it was just like it was a dark, solid black object, but you could see the, you know. The sunlight, when, it was, when the trees were moving, the wind was blowing, so you could see the sunlight uh, shining off its head and its shoulders you, uh, real clearly, you know. So I get out my camera, my phone, you know, and I'm trying to take these pictures, and the the, the zoom on the camera's going in and out and in and out, you know. I'm like, I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting mad. I click, and I say, oh, man, I got a, I got a pair of monoc- uh, monocular in my back. And I dropped my backpack, and, my, and uh, my son pulled it out and gave it to me, and so I pulled out, I started focusing, when I saw the forehead, I could see the wrinkles across the, the it was had like three or four lines of wrinkles going horizontally across the forehead, what I saw. And the skin looked like, uh, like I feel a lot of people, like real soft black leather, that's what it reminds me of. You know, like a sofa, you got the sofa, you ever seen a sofa that's got real soft black leather, you know? Right. That's what it looked like to me. And when I saw that, I kind of panicked. And I go, my son, you tell me what you see. And he started looking at it. And by that time, you know, I saw it kind of lean over a little bit away from the tree. You could see the sunlight coming between its body and a tree. And my dad and my, my son goes, Dad, he moved, he moved. And I go, yeah, I saw that, you know. We, I don't know how long we were there. You know, and I, it's like I tell a lot of people, I don't know. It could have been five minutes. It could have been 30 minutes. You know, it just we lost track of time. And I finally tell him, you know what, let's get out of here. Because, you know, I had that sense something wasn't right. You know, right now I think, it, it you know, it wasn't trying to harm us. You know, it was maybe curious. But at that time, my, my military sense and his was like, hey, are they sitting up for an ambush, you know? He had his 45 on him, you know, and I had something on me, you know. And we're like, man, you know, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel right about it. Now, you so did find I, sets of two track, two set, two different sets of tracks, right? Yeah, that was up on Paradise. Right, right. Yeah. So there, so when we more, saw so it, there was more than one around. Yes. I told him, let's get out of here, you know. And that was enough. That's what I told him, you know. I don't know if I was frightened or nervous or just, I can't describe that feeling, you know. We walked back to the car, and we started throwing our gear in the car, and I looked at my son, and, you know, I was like, I don't think, you know, we saw what we saw, you know. Let's go back in there. So we went back in, like I said, maybe 20, 30 meters from the car or something around there, you know. We walked back in that wood line around that tree, and he got clear and looked up there, and it was gone. You know, I think and that's it, common. You know, people see something, and then they, they question themselves afterwards. You know, did I really see that? It's, it's a weird feeling, uh, William. You know, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, you, you know, you had an encounter, you know. I right. guess er- yeah. everybody, and it's all different for everybody, you know, I guess. You know, just every situation is different. You don't know. It's like I see people having, you know, they talk about an encounter, and everybody questions them, you know, why did you do this? Why did you do that? You know. You know, can't say that unless you're in your shoes. You know, I mean. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. Same way, uh, you know. Like I tell people, you know, you tr- you know, when I was in the military, you train and train, you know, all you can for you know, uh, a situation, you know, in combat and stuff. But when it comes down to it, it, it doesn't happen that way. You know, you, you just got to react and 
That's, that's all I can say about you that, you know. Um, yeah, that's an interesting account, Lupe. I appreciate you sharing it with us. I definitely know what you mean. You you question yourself all the time after you – I mean, I still question myself. God, do we just – did I really see what I thought I saw? You know, I think a lot of people go through that, like Will says. You know, I, I still do that today, you know. When I start doing that, I, I say, well, my son was there. How did he see the same thing? You know, how, how could I have been imagining it? You know, my son doesn't talk about it. You know, he, since he's been out of the military, so he, you know, he got out disabled, so, but he will not talk about it, you know. And, you know, a lot of people won't talk about it. You know, they're probably, we estimated years ago that maybe out of every sighting that somebody will, will actually talk about, there may be 10 or more people that won't for every one of those. Yeah, you know, in these decks, you know, area that you know, we research a lot, you know, that I do with my, my friends, the Garrett's, it's millions and millions of acres, you know, that, that a lot of it have never been, a, you know, it's still virgin forest, you know. And a lot of folks in that part of the country are even more tight-lipped about it than people elsewhere. If, you know, when we go out there, if, if you're nice enough, and, and some of the people will talk to you. And, it, you know, like I said, we, we had some crazy stuff happen to us out there. We've been... You know, at night, uh, raided by the forest rangers, and they knew we were out there. You know, they want to know where our guns were at. You know, we got a six-foot-tall uh, parabolic mic standing there, and they don't they don't say nothing about that. You know, no, but they know what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we we've had helicopters come out there over us, over and over us. You know, following us on the kayaks and the canoes. They know. Sure, they do. It's, you know, you talk about the government cover-up. You know. I, I was kind of worried about that, you know, no way, but I believe it now, you know. I really do. Well, you know, the more the more things, information of, of situations we gather. So, I, you know, makes you wonder, you know. Everyone here at Bigfoot Hotspot Radio would like to thank Audible.com. Audible.com is the internet-leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 different titles to choose from. To download a free audiobook of your choice, go to audibletrial.com forward slash Bigfoot Hotspot. We really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your encounter, man. Well, Wes, I appreciate you inviting me. You know, and William, you know, William's been my friend for a long time. As a matter of fact, it was two days after I had my son, and he called me, and we've been friends since then. And, uh, yeah, no, Lupe's you know, a great guy and one of the best stories out there. I appreciate it, you know, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad I could help you guys out and get this story, you know, because I'm, I'm really not talking on radio no more, you know. I did this for William, and, uh, you know, so thank you. No, well, thank we you. We sure appreciate it. Okay, yeah, have a good night and take care and God bless you guys. All right, buddy. Thanks, Lupe. Next on the show, we have Quentin. And when he had sent us this encounter, it sounded a lot like the Siege of Hanabi. A lot of what went on there. I thought the listeners would really enjoy this. Hey, Quentin, it's Wes and Will. How are you, man? Hey, how are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you've had quite a bit of experience, so I think what we'll do is we'll just start off by, by asking you prior to any sort of 
sure. know, um, encounters with the creatures, what you knew about the subject, and uh, and then just go from there. Okay. Um, would you like to start with the first one, and I can kind of give you a little bit of a background? Right. Yeah. Give us a background on on what happened. That what led up to that? Okay. Um, well, growing up, my, I had two great grandparents. I was very close to. And I, I always heard them talk about these things called catamounts, and they would never go into description about what these things were. And uh, my great-grandfather moved to North Mississippi from Alabama when he was really young, and my great-grandmother was also from there, and they passed away when I was 14. Um, but they lived up to be about 80 years old. And so growing up, um, my great-grandfather, he owned the gravel company, and us being in North Mississippi, we used to travel to, you know, different regions of Mississippi where we'd go look in gravel and that sort of thing. And um, I remember on one particular occasion, my grandma was like, uh, no, don't take him out to this place because a catamount will come out of the tree line and snatch him. Okay, and so I just kind of went on going through life not knowing what she was ever talking about. And she passed away when I was about 14 years old. Um, so other than that, like on the subject of Bigfoot, um, growing up, there was a show called In Search Of, which Leonard Nimoy used to host. And, um, you know, that's basically the show that kind of gave everybody the in look into the Patterson footage. But if you right. go back and you could actually find In Search Of, you're looking at a video at the time that wasn't stabilized. It was very shaky, and you were seeing, like, just basically the rough cut of it. And, um, and of course, like Boggy Creek and Harry and the Hendersons and that sort of silly thing. Um, so growing up, that's, that's what I knew about these things. That was it. You know, I always thought that, okay, these things maybe lived in Washington or they probably lived in California or something like that, but you just generally did not hear about these things being in the South. Um, so this, which brings me to my first encounter, I was 13 years old and my uncle had bought some government land that's kind of like, um, you could say kind of like towards the center of Mississippi and it was land that, you know, no human beings basically had ever been on. It's really huge property, and he bought it, and they're religious deer hunters, you know, so, I, like, growing up, um, I was always kind of, like, out in the woods. I've known how to shoot a gun since I was about nine years old and stuff, um, so, I mean, like, I'm not one of these people, I wasn't unfamiliar with the woods and stuff. I wasn't one of these people, if a frog hopped, I was going to jump or be scared about it, you know what I mean? And so, like, um, I started going to the deer camp when I was 13, and I grew up in a small town, and there just really wasn't that much to do. And so, like, I generally would go to deer camp just to get out of the house. You know, I really, I'm the kind of person, like, if people hunt and stuff like that, I don't have a problem with it, but I'm just, I don't need the deer for food, so I'm not one to go out and just really hunt animals. You know what I mean? And um, so I'd go into this deer camp, and I started going when I was about 13, and I'd gone to this place for over a year. And it's just really nice, beautiful scenery everywhere you go. It's just really peaceful, really quiet. You can go out there and just watch deer and various wild animals. And, um, you know, it's just really peaceful. So um, when I was, I'd been going out to this place for about a year when I was 14 years old to kind of just finally get to the story and save you guys some time. Um, I, I just could not bang like a big deer or I just couldn't catch one. And so my family says to me, okay, we're going to go and put you out way back on the back of the property. That way you can get you a big 10-point. And I'd actually been out to this place before with them, and we would go out and plant ryegrass and stuff during a certain time of the year so that, like, when hunting season came around, the deer would be out there and they would graze on the ryegrass. So this one morning I, I was really excited to get to this spot because I just knew I was going to see something, you know. And about 15 minutes after I got out to this place, 
I started hearing like what I thought was somebody hammering or doing some construction work. You know, like you hear about like wood knocks and stuff like that, and people always talk about how it sounds like some kind of Morse code because you'll hear two or three little taps at a time. You know what I mean? And like 15 minutes after I got out there, I was hearing something go bang, 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 bang. I mean, it just sounded like someone banging a log against a tree. It was just, it wasn't just like a little feeble little knock. Okay, so that kind of like set me off to begin with because I knew that there was no people out at this place, and I believe the closest people that were around this area were 15 or 20 miles away. So I kept hearing this wood knock, and it would only stop for a few minutes. And um, to kind of give you like a layout of what the land looked like, um, Monko and us, we would go out there with a bulldozer into these lands to kind of bulldoze trails. And um, so basically the layout of this land was to my right, there would have been a huge open field that was just miles of open field. In front of me would have been like a little ravine, and there was a lot of trees and foliage and stuff like that. Behind me, there was just thick, thick green foliage on the other side of the path. So, I mean, like, other than, like, where the big open field was, you couldn't see anything out there because of all the trees, but you could hear everything. So, long story short, I started hearing some um, just weird stuff going on. And um, I started getting just weird because... Um, my family didn't want me going out in the woods without uh, having some kind of hunting experience. So they would teach me things, okay, like this is what a four-legged animal sounds like when it walks through the woods and stuff. And sure enough, after these wood knocks stopped after about 20 or 30 minutes, I thought I heard like something walking on two legs way up in front of me. Okay, and I said, okay, that's weird. There's something walking around out here. And um, I've, I've had experience with like turkeys and stuff like that where they'll walk through leaves. And sometimes they sound like a lot heavier than they really are. And I could hear this thing. I could just tell by the steps of it that it was just heavy. Well, long story short, I mean, like, I I just kept kind of getting the feeling that there was maybe some people or, like, I hate to say it, but some kind of crazy hillbilly people or some kind of whacked-out country people that might have been at this place. And, um, well, like, I started hearing movement behind me and that sort of thing. And, again, it's like I would hear somebody step, take a few steps, and they would kind of stop for a few minutes. And it just seemed like when I got comfortable with it, I would start hearing steps again. And this kind of game just kind of kept going on and on. There eventually came a point in time when I just start to notice something. There was this big tree across, and um, I'd say about 35 yards away from me. And in front of the tree, there was like an eroded little ditch or a little cavern that had eroded away. So it was about eight or you know, eight or ten feet deep, and if something had been over on the other side of it, I wouldn't have been able to see it, really. So I kept thinking, okay, I'm seeing, like, some kind of movement over there behind the tree. What is that? I would just basically just stare at this spot, and I couldn't help but notice I could see something just kind of peeking around the side of this tree. And, um, you know, like, when something's like that happening, you're telling yourself, okay, I'm imagining this. This isn't really happening. I'm just out here in the woods by myself, and I'm just letting the noises and the shadows get to me. Right. So eventually I start seeing what I think is like an arm or a shoulder or something like that. Around this time that I'm seeing this stuff, I'm starting to hear more noise coming from behind me in this foliage that's about, say, about 20 feet away from me. And I'm starting to hear more more movement. As all this is going on, I'm starting to think, okay, you know, like your mind is speaking to you. And I believe that humans have this sixth sense, for example, that like... Even though you might not see the danger, something in your mind is telling you, okay, something's going on here. 
and um, you might be in a situation and you're just not realizing it yet. But, you know, this is like a point in time when nobody knew anything about these creatures. There was no such thing as an online world to tell you that when you're hearing this and this, it might be this thing here. Well, in short, this this thing kept peeking from behind a tree. And uh, there just came a point in time when I saw, like, um, I could tell that this thing was very tall. We're talking about, like, taller than a human being. And I could see, like, this pissed off. I'm sorry, I don't know if I can say that or not. Um, I saw an angry I saw an angry looking eyeball just kind of peeping at me. I could see like what I thought was a cheek and a head and it was just black covered fur. And this thing just kind of was like, seemed like it was just kind of inching out a little bit more. And when I did, when I saw this thing, I took my safety off. I had like a very big rifle. It was, um, I don't remember exactly what the, um, what caliber rifle it was, but it was one of the biggest ones that they had down there. They didn't want to stick me out in the woods with some little pea shooter. So, um, I just, something was telling me, okay, I'm hearing all this movement and stuff like this, and this thing's stepping out in front of me, and I said, this thing behind me steadily getting closer. I said, something's trying to ambush me here. I finally said, okay, if this thing behind me gets closer, I'm going to shoot it. And so, like, as this thing is just kind of inching out, I just felt like it was distracting me, and then I heard, like, the brush kind of moving really quickly behind me, and I was in a tree, and so my back is to the movement behind me, and I was in a position where I felt like, okay, um, it's like, have you ever been in one of those situations where you go out socially into like a bar or something like that, and there's two guys that have a problem with you, you know what I mean? And one guy is just trying to distract you while the other guy comes up and hits you from the back and knocks you unconscious. And that's kind of what I felt like was going on. And, um, so like as soon as that thing kind of inched out, I just, I just had never seen anything like that in my life. I freaked out and I just ended up shooting a shot into like the foliage behind me. And when I shoot the shot off, I hear four creatures run off on two legs. And there had been one around that um, I never knew was there. And the one that was in front of me, I just saw him kind of, like, take off. And I just I never really got a good look at him other than he was black. And I just knew that these things were these creatures that people had been talking about. All right, so um, after these things ran off, I heard them making these call sounds, like um, like a crow call. It sounded like a person doing it. It did not sound like a bird. And I said, oh, my God, there's more of them. And they're they're telling people that, or they're telling themselves that I'm here and all this stuff. And so I had to wait on my dad. And it took him, like, five minutes to show up and come out there and get me, you know. And, I mean, it was, like, the longest five minutes of my life because I just felt like the whole time I was there, even though I heard these things run off, that something was watching me. And when he finally showed up, I said, you know, I'm, like, terrified. I'm 14. I'm in shock. I'm like, Dad, is there any people out here? I said, there was people out here. And I said, they were trying to get me. And he's like, there ain't nobody out here. You know, I had one of those dads growing up, you know, where he was like, oh, you didn't see this. Oh, you didn't see that. And you weren't going to win with him. You know what I mean? And so I just kind of dropped the subject. And later on that day when they wanted to go out hunting, I was like, no, I'm staying right here. So when everybody else went out hunting that day, we had a, um, it was like a truck trailer we had converted into like a camp. And so it was like a, more like a home. We had like a cooking area and um, we had like, you know, like uh, bunk beds and stuff like that. And it was just a small kind of uh, truck trailer. So that day when everybody else went out, I sat there with the door and I didn't tell them, but I sat there with my gun in my lap because I was so scared that something was going to come in there and get me. I didn't feel far enough away from these creatures that I felt safe. And the next day when we went home, I did not talk about this for 15 years. I know in the South they call them catamounts for people listening. I know, like, up mm-hmm. here I've never heard of catamounts. Or they call them, uh, I know Kumbo said, uh, 
call them what? No heads or boogers. Yeah, boogers. Yeah. They have all kinds of terms terms for them down there. God, can you imagine that, Will? Sitting up there and it, it I mean, sounds a lot like you and Woody's account. That's exactly what I was thinking when he as he as Quentin was telling that. It sounds just like our account, like the one up front's trying to keep your attention and they're closing in on you. While the other ones are sneaking around. Yeah, the other ones yeah, are sneaking and there around. Was, there was um there was one that was like clearly, you know, like you guys sound like you kinda know the woods a little bit. Like have yep. you ever heard like a dead limb snap compared to like a fresh limb? You know, like a fresh limb when it snaps yep. the noise is so much louder than a piece of rotten wood that's half dead that when you snap right. it, you don't right. really hear anything. I was hearing limbs snap that sounded like they were the size of Louisville sluggers, and they were fresh. And, uh, again, like this deer camp, it was very common that you could go out there and just sit and be quiet, and a turkey would come up, and they'll jump in the trees, and they'll do things to break the branches and all that sort of thing. Um, but, like, basically, yes, there was one in front of me. There was one that was, like, snapping limbs and doing stuff. Um, then there was one behind me that was really moving in. And like I said, there was a fourth one there that I heard run away. I never knew was even there. And, um, I mean, they basically just had, you know, like tic tac told me. And, I mean, like I was the center of it. And I just couldn't get out or do anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. and then people say, they always talk about how, like, okay, well, you had a gun. You know, well, like, I just felt like that day that I shot off at something. I never pointed. I never aimed at it. Um, just something told me that was going to be my only chance to survive was that if I fired off a shot. I felt very threatened, and, you know, people talk about how these creatures are shy, and they don't bother you and they won't hurt you. But I believe that some of these creatures, I believe they're more wilder than some, some, some creatures are. Like, you hear about Bigfoots all the time that are around these national parks, and they seem to be used to human beings, and you don't have those kind of encounters. These Sasquatches, they generally want to leave people alone, and they're walking away from you. But, you know, the Squatches down here are not like that. I mean, they're not going to walk straight out in front of you in plain sight, but they almost don't care if you know they're there. They have bad attitudes, and uh, they will hurt you. Yeah. You had mentioned they were coming up to the windows and screaming. Okay, this um, that's kind of basically is like more or less like my third encounter. Um, okay, well, go ahead with your second encounter. I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay, um, well, with my second encounter, um, again, um, what it is, I, I would be more than happy to kind of show you guys where I live, like on Google Earth and that sort of thing later on. Like, that way you guys can kind of see, like, a layout of, like, the lands and stuff. I would be sure, happy to show can, you, like... Yeah, we can yeah. be in touch off, off where we can show. And I can also um, show you, like, what I would call three of my hot spots. And, I mean, they're places that you can just pretty much go... And if you walk into these places and you're quiet and you don't go looking for them and you're not there disturbing stuff, they'll sit there and watch you. And, and they're not going to come close enough that you can do anything to them. But it seems the second that you acknowledge that they're there, they're gone. You know what I mean? Okay, so my second encounter was in a place that um, there's a lake. There's two of them. And I really don't want to say the name because it would just really um, give too much away of the location. No, and I know for a fact that the uh, park rangers know about them there. So when I was about eight, I was 18 my last year of high school uh, because my birthday is actually in January. So my last my senior year, I'd actually gotten my first car, which was a 1993 Ford Probe. Are you guys familiar with that car by any chance? Yeah, absolutely. They have flip-top lights, and they sit yep. really low. They're like a two-door sports car. I was yep. so happy that I'd gotten this car, right? And so... um Basically what it was is I was 18, and I had just started smoking cigarettes. And my mom, she kind of knew, but she just did not want me smoking, you know. 
And so I got in my car, and I probably had it for about a week. And um, I said, okay. Being it was my senior year, my mom was really cool about, like, okay, if you want to go out, and, and you know, like, as long as you're home before midnight or whatever and you're alive, you're not doing anything bad, I kind of don't care. She didn't really care if I kind of rode around or stayed out or did anything because I was senior in high school. You know what I mean? There was this road that's a close to around the lake, and people come up to this kind of place all the time. You know what I mean? It's a place where you can constantly find, like, park rangers or people cooking out. And there had been – I had a friend that lived down this road, and we used to walk to their house and stuff. And, then, like, we would walk from one friend's house from one point to the next. That, um, there was a friend, and she had a brother that lived, you know, just a little ways from her. And we would walk to their houses all the time. Like, you know, talking about, like, late at night. So it wasn't like a situation where I'm like, okay – you know, and then after I saw those things the first time, I just thought there would be no way that I'd ever see them again. And this is the story that I actually reported to the BFRO, and they almost more or less tried to say, okay, this didn't happen to you. Okay, and, and, and um, well, basically I reported this story after we had the ones coming along. Cause I just wanted to see how they would take, like, someone having, like, a real encounter with these things. Because I've always noticed that most of these stories you read are, I think I heard something, or I think I saw something. You know what right, I mean? And that just right, doesn't, yeah. you're not seeing a lot of the, these people come forward. And I think that BFRO, I'm not trying to, like, shift the subject in, into a negative thing, but I think they're kind of disrespectful to people who actually have, you know, the gut. Yeah, we've heard that before from thing. people. You know, it's not an easy thing. Uh, like, um, I, I kind of like, for, for a living, I'm one of these people. I do, like, public appearances at, like, different kind of shows that are art and music-oriented. Mm-hmm. And you would not want to be sitting there and have people come up talking to you about Bigfoot, and you have, like, 20 people there, and they're trying to buy your products. You know what I mean? Right. And um, it's not so much that the ridicule. It's just that sometimes you just you have these things in, in, in life that you experience that you can't help, and you don't want to stay attached to that thing for the rest of your life. You want to move on and put it behind you. Right. Um, so, like, long story short, um, what it was is I had gone out and bought a pack of cigarettes when I first got in my car. My mom didn't want me want me smoking, so I said, okay, I'm going to go drive up to the lake and smoke two or three cigarettes and go home. So I'd gone down this road, and um, it starts off, it's like a gravel road, and it's almost about, it's barely big enough for, like, two cars, and there's people that live all in, up and down this road. And um, basically... The road, the hill, is I wouldn't say it's just, like, steep or anything like that, but you're going downhill um, in an angle to where your your headlights would be flashing, you know, towards, like, a, a down part of the hill. You're not going to see anything up. So long story short, I was going down the road, and, and like I said, I'd been down this road before. I had a cassette player in my car, and it was, like, one of the last model cars that had a cassette player in it. And so I was sitting there, and I was plus, I was pressing fast forward or something like that, and I was driving down this road no more than five or ten miles an hour and the reason for that is, is because we have a lot of accidents on some of these rural areas where you have some drunk guy you know that's out there just having a blast and he he, he just rolls into you you know so you kind of really if you go to the back roads of mississippi you kind of really have to watch where you're going you can't just go out here being the dukes of hazard like like they make it out on tv yeah. all right so like um i'm going down this, this this gravel road really slow and i'm really focused on my stereo and um, as I get to about where the bottom of the hill is, there's two fields down there, and I think one of them might be a bean field and one is a cotton field. Well, to the left side of the road, I just, like, saw, like, what I thought was an, an eye glow. I thought I saw, like, what was a yellow eye glow and on the side of the road, and it looked like it was behind a tree. 
And as silly as it sounds, I thought maybe it was a hoot owl because they have really large orb kind of eyes. Yeah. Okay, so I slowed down and like, okay, I said, okay, a deer's going to run out and hit my damn new car. You know, and I said, I just got this thing a week ago, and I said, some animal's gonna about to run out and total my car, because, it, uh, like, where I live, you have, like, so many sh- insurance reports every year where people get hit by deers. You know, the deer, they don't hit the deer, the deer hits them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I knew a guy with a Corvette, right, and the um, had the sunroof on it, and he was going down the road, hit the deer, the deer didn't completely die, and then it went in through the sunroof and totaled his car, you know? Oh, no. oh Jesus. Yeah, it was like a Tommy Good Boy Lord. sort of thing. Hopefully you know? he was okay. <laughs> yeah, Tommy hopefully. Boy. And it, it was his, his poor car, you know, it, it didn't live. <laughs> so um, anyway, as I see these eye glow, I said, okay, I'm stopping right here in this road. And I start to notice that there's something huge behind this tree because the tree really was not thick. It was about um, six feet tall. And um, as I stopped, I can see something large behind this tree, and we're talking about, like, this thing is like five or seven feet away from me, and all I know is this thing, uh, a Sasquatch, I I don't like to refer to him as thing because I knew what the hell it was. Um, This Sasquatch comes out of the road, it's black in color, and, like, when it first came out, the BFRO tried to say that they don't do this, but this Squatch, when it first came out, was actually about to walk on his hands. Like, in other words, he looked like he was about to crouched down and get on his hands, and he was about to run across the road. And then, like, when this thing took one step, and it was kind of slumped out, like, okay, I'm going to, like, run on my hands. And then when it took one step, it was, like, in the center of this small gravel road. It's like it changed course and said, okay, I'm going to stop here. And my car was not very big. And, I mean, I could immediately tell that this thing was not, how do you say, scared of a car or anything. And so, I mean, like, one of the first features I noticed about this thing was the two legs and just a hand. You know, like, this time I didn't I didn't get a good look at them the first time, but the second time, I mean, this thing walked right out in front of me. And um, it was during the month of October. Um, our homecoming here is, is fairly close to Halloween. And um, so that night that I went out, it wasn't cold, but it was just, um, you know, enough moisture outside. It was cool enough that you could see things breathing. And, you know, people always talk about, well, how do you know it wasn't a man in a costume? But let's be realistic here. How many eight-feet people are there living out in the country that had the luxury of going out and buying some expensive monkey suit? Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. The creature steps out in the middle of the road, and at the time it was more of a hunched-type position. It kept its side to me. And then, like, it was, like, almost kind of bending down. And you could tell, like, in other words, it almost had no neck. You know what I mean? Like, you could tell yeah. that it was like more or less trying to turn low into the shoulders. Yes, and and you could tell that, in other words, it was kind of really having to turn its upper torso to kind of look at me. Well, the creature's demeanor when it first kind of, kind of came out, I mean, I was in shock, but I wasn't afraid. And the thing, like, I mean, it wasn't making any kind of movements at first that would have suggested, okay, I'm going to hurt you or I'm a violent creature or anything like that. So, okay. I said, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch this thing for a minute. Because, I mean, how many people get to see something like this in their life? Okay, well, the problem was um, the, the guy did not want to move out of the road. It was a male Sasquatch. It was black. And I know that he had to be eight feet tall because I'm 6'4", you know. And I have no problem diagnosing, like, seven or eight feet, you know. And, I mean, when you get to seven and a half feet, you might as well say they're eight. You know what I mean? Because you're never right. going to get to stand up enough, yeah. This creature, uh, like the way I was on, I was kind of like on a hill, and I had flip-top lights on my car. 
And so my headlights were actually kind of shining, um, kind of like pointing down towards like the ground, but they were kind of going through the center of them. So I could actually see more of the center of the body, and then like the top of the, the body was like more or less silhouetted because the lights weren't hitting it. Okay, well, I sat there and watched this creature for long enough that I got a really good description of it. Um, like on one side of it, like the side that was facing me, it looked like he had maybe slid down like an embankment maybe, and he had a little bit of some dried dirt on him from where he'd gone down an embankment or something like that. He was jet black in color, and he had like a grayish colored skin. And I never really could see the face other than just one second right when I was coming to a stop. You know, and like you hear about these things looking um, like they have Down syndrome and all that sort of thing. And the ones we have here, they don't look like that. They have really wide jaws. They have humanoid-looking noses. The eyes, I feel, are a little bit bigger than a human or a little bit more orby or an almond shape. Mm-hmm. And their teeth um, are very human. They're very rectangular, very square. They don't have, like, an exaggerated canine like a gorilla does. And, uh, I mean, they're just massive just muscle for day i mean that's the thing if these were people in a suit you wouldn't be able to see like like details under the body you know because you, you have like a too. layer yeah you would have like a layer of fabric that would would, would create like imperfections when a human being is moving mm-hmm. you know exactly all right so after a minute this creature stayed there in a the road and after i decided i had enough look at it i said okay I'm starting to get bogged out a little bit. This guy is like in the center of the road. He couldn't move. I couldn't go around him because the road is only about seven and a half feet wide. And um, I was only about a few yards away from where the road actually turned into um, a paved road. And then you would be going down like an area where a lot of people live out in the country. And you're talking about like every mile um, to mile and a half, you have a house next door to each other. So like the whole time that this stuff was going on, this creature could see me through the windshield. I mean, like... I just knew that he could see me because he would kind of sway a little bit, like, okay, I see you in there. And I don't, I don't understand really to this day what this thing's point in, was in doing this. But um, right before Probably challenging I started getting you. creeped out, I noticed that his demeanor was beginning to change. Like, in other words, he started swaying and jerking a lot more. Um, and then it was, and I, again, I'm not saying it was a violent movement, but like, okay, what's this guy doing? He's acting a hell of a lot different than he was a minute ago. Like he was so I think honestly, yeah, I think that he might have been looking at one behind me because I never looked in my rearview mirror the whole time. Um, but like eventually what it was is I had not adjusted my lights yet because I'd only had the car for a week, so when I hit my bright lights, I hit him in the face. And when oh. I hit him in the face with those lights, he got pissed off. And, I mean, it it, it just took like this really low, <gasps> like, breath and was, and it's just screaming at me man and i i mean like i was just so terrified of like the scream and the sound just paralyzes you i mean i could not put my car hardly in reverse i couldn't put my hand on the wheel hardly you know what i mean and um i mean basically i just got so scared somehow i got my car into reverse and i just punched it and uh when, whenever i kind of backed up a little bit the creature got just barely far enough out of the road that um i was able to just drive around it and I said, oh, my God, is this happening? And so I stopped down the road a little ways, and he was still shaking his arms in the air and screaming at me. And, um, well, later on, that it was about a week or so later after this happened, that it turned out that somebody else down that road had heard this thing screaming at me. Um, there was a lady that worked with my aunt at the time at a fast food place, and she lived down that road. And they said around that same time that night, they had heard something like that. 
in short, yeah. after this happened, man, I mean, I got to the point where I would not go out down. A, I wouldn't go down a country road. I got to where I never felt comfortable going out in the woods again. I just said, man, these things must be all over the damn place. All right, <laughs> and so I kind of kept it quiet. And around yeah. uh, it was about a few years later that my aunt bought some property that's about um, say ten or fifteen miles from where I live now. And it's, it, these places are not in like the deep country. You know what I mean? You're talking about like um, I live like in, in the back of a small town right now. So if you drive about seven miles out you're going to see a lot of open land and, like, there's a lot of people spread out. You know what I mean? It's not like these places you hear about in Arkansas where your closest neighbor is maybe 20 or 30 miles away. And that's what I find to be so shocking about it is how many people are inhibiting these areas and these things are just out there living and no one knows they're there. My aunt had bought, like, this this, this property out in, in um, this is, like, about 10 or 15 miles from where I am now. And my aunt was like a um, a horse lady. She raised Arabian horses, and she would do a lot of these shows and stuff. I mean, um, I, I mean, like you know, like you always people always associate people that see Bigfoot as being these poor people who don't have any money or any education. But I mean, we used to have thirteen out thirteen thousand dollar horses just sitting around on our property. You know what I mean? Right. Well, the weirdest thing that ever happened out there. I mean, we never really knew that there was anything out there. We had some kittens come up one night. It was thirteen of them. And something had squished their heads like eggshells, and every one of them smelled like a skunk. And, you know, again, like, as I've had these encounters, I still did not know anything about these things. You know, like, um, you're talking about, like, this is 1997 by the time I saw the second one, and my first encounter would have been probably about, um, God, I can't remember what year it would have been when I was 14, but I'm guessing 93 or 94 or something like that. So like, basically, the weirdest thing that happened was like while my aunt was living there, I had a younger cousin, and she was in her room cleaning the room and stuff. This is the first time we'd had something come up and scream at us. And this, like I say, my aunt lived there before we did. Um, my cousin was just cleaning her room one night, and um, she really wasn't paying attention to anything else. You know, she's young. She was a good little girl. You know, she's uh, she would have been about like twelve or thirteen at the time. You know, she's just old enough that she could stay by herself. Um, so, like, something, she caught her attention out of her bedroom window. And when she did, she looked, and she said something just started screaming bloody murder at her, you know. And uh, she ended up calling my grandmother out there to come pick her up, because what it is is my aunt had one of these jobs that, where she just kind of, she was a manager for a food place, so she constantly always had to work very late, or she had to work more than everybody else. And so sometimes, like, we would have to go out there, and we'd take care of her horses and stuff. Okay, so that was, like, the weirdest thing that had happened there. Then a few years later, um, my mom had gotten divorced from my father, and my aunt moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and so my mom ended up moving into the place. Okay, so that's when we had all this weird stuff just start happening. Like, sometimes at night you would hear, this house was like a trailer, um, and what it was is my, my family never had any intentions on really just living here other than raising horses on this land, so they never bothered to build like a house. They just put a trailer out there, said we're going to live here till we find somewhere else, and then we're going to move. So my mom, when she got divorced from my dad, she went out there, and she was out there for about two years. And um, the first things that she said, she told me, my mom was having experience. She never saw really anything, but she would have, like, encounters, like, where something was coming up at night, and you could hear someone just walking across the trailer, like they were putting their weight against it and stuff. And it would set our, we had two Jack Russell dogs, and it would set them off, you know. But we weren't really having anything happening. And then, I just don't really remember when it happened, but we just got to where we were having something that was coming up about, you know, 100 yards away from the house, 3 or 4 in the morning, it was just screaming bloody murder. 
And uh, it's a lot of these screams that I hear, they're very close to something that you would hear in the Sierra, like the Sierra sound. You know, it starts off as this real low gas sound, like they're catching their breath, and it goes from a real low tone to it being a very high-pitched sound that just will make your blood curl. I've always tried to be realistic about these things, you know what I mean? Let's, let's face it, how can you be realistic about something that people don't believe in? And uh, that's really why I think they were doing that. But I basically contacted the BFRO because I was getting really scared because the screams were getting closer and closer to the house. It was one of those situations where I did not want to really talk to anybody about this. But when I felt like my family was in danger or that we were going to go out one night and something was going to attack us, that's when I contacted them. And um, I reported the story where the one walked out in front of me. And I, I felt very disrespected because after I posted the story, they went and chopped it up and edited it to where it almost seems like the account is not believable. And that kind of, like, drew a red flag with me for those guys, you know. And then, like, um, I got in touch with a guy who wanted to come down to the property, and he was interested in flushing them out. You know, can we come to your property? Can we set up cameras? Can we do this? Can we do that? And I learned very early on that it doesn't take much to agitate these things. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. They have a very short and fuse. They do. And then I, I don't... I, I just don't believe them to be the experts that they say they are. I mean, wh where's the proof that these guys are, are experts? If you watch yes. the show Finding Bigfoot, I was actually asked to be on that show, and I turned it down because I don't think that it has anything to do with proving of the existence of these creatures. I think it's just entertainment to make people look like idiots and fools, and that's why I turned the show down. There's a lot that goes on in the South, I think, than a lot of people are willing to come out and talk about. And, uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for... For coming on, Quentin, sharing your encounters with yeah, us. I mean, I really enjoyed it. hearing. Yeah, I really Thank enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Um, if I could just give one little message to everybody out there. If you're going to go out looking for these creatures, please be careful. Don't take your children with you until you know what these beings are like. Don't go out there uh, banging sticks and doing calls because you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're saying. I believe one day, if we get enough information on these creatures, we're going to be able to go out in the wild with them and walk around with them. And, uh, you know, just like we do with bears and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, really, I just really hope one day we can get enough information on these that whether people believe in it or not, that people can feel safe when they go in the woods and people can understand what to do if they ever encounter one. And they have encounters like I've had before where these things were not so nice. Yeah, that's good advice. But thank you so much for having me on the show, guys. This is one of the first things, one of the first times I've ever really just come out and Thank you for not making me feel like a fool and being very respectful. Well, no, thanks, it was awesome. Quentin. I sure appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Quinn. And uh, you're welcome. Um, hopefully, you guys will we'll talk some more in the future. You guys have a nice night. You too, brother. Let's talk offline. Okay. Well, you guys have a great night, man. Thank you for for letting me have this chance. Oh, it was awesome. The so, pleasure was ours. All right. Nice meeting you guys. You guys have a good night. Bye bye. You too. You too. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone, and uh, have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Have a good night, everyone.
Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby.